Blog Talk Radio.
that is spoken glorify you and glorify your Son, Jesus Christ, Father. Let your word be fulfilled in the lives and the hearts of the listeners, Lord. Holy Spirit, take the word and make it come alive to all of our listeners tonight, Father. Increase their faith, Lord. Father, increase their faith and their trust in you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we're trusting you tonight to fulfill your word with signs and wonders, Lord. Father, that you would touch every man, woman, and child, Father, who's listening, Father, whether listening live or listening to the archives, Father, we ask that you would touch them right where their needs are, Father. Lord, that you would establish your will in our hearts, Father, and that your will would be done, Father, in our lives, Lord. Your word declares that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And you said that a man will plan his ways, but the Lord directs his steps, Father. So we submit our lives to you, Father, for your will to be done, Father, for every step to be ordered by your presence, Father, by your Holy Spirit, Father. Give us a discerning ear. Father, give us discerning eyes. Give us a discerning heart so that we can hear clearly your voice leading us in whichever direction you want us to go, Father. So we're going to start off. um, We've been talking over the last week about um, relationships, like always, with the Father. Um, So anyway, um, this is Joshua chapter 1. Um, And I'm just going to read a little bit of it, but it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Now, I just want to stop there for a second. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, who was Moses' assistant. You know, it doesn't matter what place you are right now in the Lord. Um, We all, no matter what your profession is, every single person has a plan that the Lord has already established, has already planned out, set out, started to move and put into motion the plan that he has for your life. It says in the first chapter of Jeremiah, before he was speaking to Jeremiah, and he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. And so we can see from Jeremiah that before you're even formed in the womb, before the conception is initially brought forth, the Lord has already established, he's already planned out, saw, he's already seen the vision of your future and his purpose for your future. If you go back into the Old Testament, God said, For I know the thoughts I think of you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so the Lord God, before you're born, has a plan already set out, already put in motion for you, that you can walk in the blessing and a relationship with the Lord. And, you know, we start off, and you don't start off and immediately enter into the promised land. It never happens. There's always mountains and trials and tribulations and things that you go through to get from the first place to the end. And I say all that to say this. A lot of people get discouraged. They get discouraged because they start off on a walk with God and um, they have in their mind an image of what the end result is. Whether it's you want to be a teacher or a preacher or an evangelist or whatever it is. Um, And you don't always see the results right away. You don't see yourself immediately in the place that you had envisioned and dreamed that you would be. But that doesn't mean you should cast away your vision or that God is lacking his in his commitment or that he is not faithful to fulfill his word. For the Bible says that he is faithful and just and that he will complete the work which he started in you until the day of Christ. But what it is, on the other hand, is that there are seasons that you must go through in your life to that the Lord can develop you for the place you need to be in. Um, there was an old saying a long time ago, among a lot of charismatics, I said, um, "Great is something about how if you have a greater, the greater anointing brings greater demons um, or greater enemies, and it's true. Um, and the place that you start in, 
um, the Lord has to begin working in you, shaping you, developing the character and integrity of the Lord Jesus Christ, developing your faith and your trust in Him. So that way later on when you get to the place where you need the greater authority and you have to be able to stand upon the promises of God more readily and that the promises of God and the word of his word is more accessible in your life and in your heart and is more established and built into your heart and your life, that you're actually rooted and grounded in the truth of the gospel, that later on when you get to the places of more authority where there's there's bigger armies and bigger giants that you don't see them as bigger armies or bigger giants. You see them, see them as exactly the same because you know that the Father hasn't changed and he's bigger than everything. And so whatever position you're in, have trust and trust the Lord that there is a place for you out there. With Joshua, when he was born, it was his assignment to take the children of Israel into the Promised Land. And But he had to spend some time underneath Moses, following Moses, being discipled, being mentored, being guarded, until he was at the place in the fullness of time to enter in into that position in which the Lord wanted him to go. And it says, Moses, God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place. Now, what's going to happen here is God's going to um, continually remind Joshua, because um, you know the Lord has to tell us a lot of things more than once. Um, so, some of us He tells things once or twice, and sometimes He has to tell us a million times. Um, he said, "Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I've given you as I said Moses." And this is the Lord saying, "You know what? I haven't changed." I'm the same God that was with Moses. I'm the same God today, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, this is heaven and earth will pass away, but he changes not. Um, and he's trying to tell him, every soul, every place that the soul of your foot will tread, I have given to you from the wilderness and this, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now, this is a large amount of area, and, you know, there's a chance the Bible doesn't tell, tell us Joshua may have never been to half these places. He may, he may not have been able to fully conceive that which the Lord was bringing him into. But what happened with Abraham is the same thing that's happening with Joshua here, is that Joshua is about to, ha is about to be given a choice to take a step of faith and believe the Lord. You know, Abraham, the father of God told Abraham, "Look, go outside and look. Look at the stars that you can't even number. And he said, your descendants will be more than these stars. And it said, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted him for righteousness. And so righteousness came through faith before the law came. And which um, is a completely different subject that we've gotten into before and we'll probably get into again. Um, but right here, Joshua is getting the opportunity to stand upon his faith and trust in the Lord for that which he himself knows he could possibly, he can never accomplish on his own. And God says, no man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. As I, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, if you notice in, at the beginning, it says, no man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. And here's another promise of the Lord, where he's establishing a principle in Joshua's life. Because um, he didn't say, you know what, for the next week or the next month or between now and the time you get to um, the promised land. Because the promised land is just a little while away. But the Father is speaking out and saying, you know what, it's not just about this one obstacle. It's not about this one this one assignment, this one um, trial that you're going through now or that you're about to enter into, I'm promising you that I'm going to be with you, not only through this, but everything that comes in the future. No matter what your life ends up looking like, no matter what obstacles you face, no matter what the trials, no matter what the tribulations, no matter what needs you have coming, whether it's now, next month, or 30 years from now, I will be with you no matter what. He said, no man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. As I, I, as I, I was with Moses, 
So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Then he says in verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. You know, <laughs> you know. Sometimes we have to be strong, and we have to be very courageous to follow the word of God. Um, we live theoretically under a different law because we live under the law of grace. But at times, um, you have to be strong. You have to be courageous in your faith and your trust in the Lord. Um, we, being mere men, constantly are having to recognize and understand and come to the awareness into the aware, awareness that our righteousness isn't through our own actions, it's not through our own works, it's through Jesus Christ and his blood and his sacrifice. Um, the Bible says that a righteous man will fall seven times and get back up. And it says, um, a verse we quote many times on this broadcast, where it says in Ephesians, um, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we're constantly having to be found in him, um, to have our lives be hidden in him, understanding that our old man was put away, and that we live in a newness of life, adopted into the family of the living God, adopted and raised as a new creature, as a, I mean, it says, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, living into a newness of life. And it takes boldness, and it takes courage to walk in that, which you may not fully comprehend, not fully being able to see the end result that the Father has planned and the Father's working through your life. You may may not be able to see what's on the end, but He does. And so you have to take a step to stand upon His Word every day of your life, knowing and believing that what He has proclaimed, He is able to complete. And He says, And verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. And he brings up two different aspects right here. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night. Now he's talking about how you should constantly speak about it, and you should constantly think about it. Because the mouth talk um, refers to your speech, and the meditation refers to your mind, um, and it's a twofold. You know, like the the Bible says that the word of God is li- is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and you know His word is has two sides to it. There's the part of it that we meditate on, because it says that our minds are being cleansed constantly by the word of God. And at the same time, when we cleanse our minds, then we, in return, cleanse our hearts. And then through our hearts, we speak out the word of God. For Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you put the word of God inside of your mind and you're meditating on it on a day and night, then that will, in return, reflect your heart and the outlook of your heart and the desires and the influences of your heart, which that will, in return, have an effect on the things that you speak out of your mouth. And God's saying both are important. You need to meditate on my word so that the insight can be changed. And then you turn around and you can, out of your mouth, becomes a wellspring of life speaking out the word of God, which then changes the outside. Um, Once again, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then will have good success. You know, he's saying, you know, you don't have to try to do anything. You don't have to go out and do five million things. You don't have to try to make your life in any specific way. You don't have to struggle and and fight against the wind and um, try to do this on your own. All you have to do is follow him, which is what Jesus said later on on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you start on the basic and you're seeking his face 
You're meditating on his word day and night. That's all you have to do. Everything else is up to him. And you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. And then, once again, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Nor be dismayed. The Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then it also says, do not cast away your confidence, so that after you have received, after you have done all, you can receive the promise. This is having done all to stand. To stand. Um, it talks about that in um, Ephesians six, when it talks about putting on the full armor of God. Having done all to stand, you stand. says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And you know that, and you know, when he said that, he wasn't saying, you know, okay, well, if you just do everything perfectly, if you're perfect the rest of your life, then I'll be with you. And he wasn't saying, you know what, if you don't make any mistakes, then I'll still be here. But he's saying, no, he was saying, no, he's like, wherever you go, whatever you do for every day for the rest of your life, I'm going to be with you. Have I not commanded you? Have I not promised? Have I not given you my word? Um, and beyond his word, he's given us the redemption and the sanctification that comes through his son. Um, you know, his resurrection brought redemption. Because a Jesus who was never resurrected could never have ascended to the throne room of heaven and offered his own to the sacrifices of for the sacrifices of the people of God, and you know it's a subject we don't really get into. Um, our churches don't get into that much, but we're gonna go into something, and I think this is a revelation that God gave me, and I could be wrong. Um, you know, the Bible says that the Scripture isn't of any private interpretation, blah blah blah. Um, and so, but what I mean by this is. Um, You know, at times, um, there's a lot of things in Scripture, um, and unless you are continually seeking the Holy Spirit, asking Him to reveal it to you, then you can miss a lot. Um, and there's a lot of things in the Bible that doesn't give us a minute-by-minute, second-by-second time frame of what exactly happened. We know that Jesus died on the cross, was crucified. All the sins of all the people who ever lived or ever will live were placed upon Jesus Christ, and He became sin for us. He actually became sin in one moment of time, and God poured out all of His wrath upon Him. So the punishment was taken care of. And then it says, He descended into the lower parts of hell, defeated the enemy, received the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And then he ascended into the Father. Now, um, and then, you know, the Bible says that everything in heaven was a shadow, or it was a copy of things on earth. When the God made the ark, when God um, instructed Moses to make an ark of the covenant, it was an exact um, duplicate of what was in heaven. Even the temple itself was a duplicate of things in heaven. And um, even Jesus, a duplicate of the Father in heaven. And um, that one just came. Um, but, um, okay, so anyway, um, John chapter 20, um, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out in the edge of the disciples and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first, which we're assuming is John. And he, stooping down and looking, and saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there. And the handkerchief, you know, I'm going to stop there, you know, this is just 
interesting, and I'm just going with it. Um, but the disciple who ran, outran Peter, was the one that everybody claimed was the one that Jesus loved, the same one at the Last Supper who was leaning his head up against Jesus, which um, tradition holds is John the Baptist. Or not John the Baptist, but the disciple John. And, you know, they both get to the tomb, but he wouldn't go into the tomb. But Peter ran, and he went in. And anyway, it says Simon Peter following. And I just think that's interesting. Almost because I think the first disciple, the one who whose heart was completely and totally on Jesus, knew that he wasn't in there. Um, but I could be wrong. Anyway, it says, when Simon Peter came following him, he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, then the disciples went away to their own homes. So they see that he's not there. Can't figure it out. Don't understand the scripture that and everything Jesus had already spoken necessarily. So they turn around and go home. But Mary stood outside. The same Mary who was sitting at the feet of Jesus when Martha was complaining that she was having to do all the work and Mary was just sit there. And Jesus said, you know, Mary's doing the good part, which is worshiping me. And it says, um, she stood outside by the tomb weeping and and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at, and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. You know, that's interesting, because Simon and the other disciple had just been in the tomb, and they didn't see any angels. But Mary is at the tomb. She looks in, and she sees two angels. So either the two angels just showed up right after... Um, Peter and the other disciple left, or they were there, and Peter and the other disciple couldn't see them. But you can think about it like this. Um, the closer you get to Father, the more things spiritually you become aware of. You begin to sense His presence more. You can see things spiritually happening more the closer you are to Him. And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, teacher. Um, another interesting point here. Um, you know, they had spent a multitude of time with Jesus. But yet, Jesus shows up to Mary, reveals himself, but she can't understand who he is until he speaks to her. You know, the same thing happens in the lives and the hearts of men and women all over the world before they come to the fullness of the knowledge of the Lord is that even though they could be looking directly at the works of God, their eyes are spiritually discerned until the Holy Spirit speaks into their hearts. This is the goodness of God leads men to repentance, and it's not until the Holy Spirit opens your spiritual eyes that you begin to see. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go to my brethren and say to them, I am sending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and they had spoken these things to her. So why did Jesus say, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father? So here's my theory, and I could be wrong. Um, just a theory. Um, we know that the things on earth were copied of the things in heaven. And Jesus ascended to the lowest parts of the earth. And then he had to ascend to offer his blood on the altar of heaven, on the real mercy seat, in front of the throne of God. Because it, it says that he offered his blood 
on the altar once for all, instead of a priest going in once a year on the earth behind a veil to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. Jesus himself became the veil, granted free and open access through himself, and then offered his own blood upon the altar for the sins of the world. Um, and it's just a theory that um, at this point in time, he had not yet done that. He hadn't actually rose to the residence of the Father to offer his, and to offer himself, um, or to offer his blood on the um, mercy seat. And then um, we know the rest of the story is he, she disappears, he disappears, and then um, he comes, he shows back up to the disciples, um, and they're in a room, and um, I believe it was Thomas who didn't believe at this time that it was the Lord, and he said, you know what, put your finger here in this hole, look at my hands and the holes there, fill them so you know that I'm real. And so um, the Bible says there's a physical body and a spiritual body. Um, and so it's possible that in the previous section, right after when he was seeing Mary, he had not yet ascended to the Father, hadn't received the spiritual body just yet. And um, it wasn't until this moment when he comes back down and um, lets Thomas actually touch him. So, um, but that's just a theory. Anyway, um, so that sums up our Bible teaching for right now. Um, anyway, back to I'm with you wherever you go. How long is it that we're going to struggle and fight and our disbelief in him? Um, and we all do. I do it all the time. Um, it seems a lot more happens in financial situations than other things, but it happens in all areas of life where we encounter an obstacle and the first thing we do is we turn to fear. Um, whether it's because fear feels more comfortable instead of turning first off directly to God. And if we knew him, if we believed him completely and had completely been, you know, since he who fears has not been perfected in love. And if we had if we would get to the place of being perfected in our understanding and our belief in his love and that our lives were rooted and grounded in his love, then our first response to a crisis or an issue wouldn't be fear, but of peace that surpasses all understanding and the joy that is inexpressible and full of glory, not because of the situation we see, but because of the Savior in which we serve. And our first response and the first thing that would come into our minds and our hearts is of the Lord, because our minds are always stayed upon Him. So there wouldn't be a reason to fear or worry or to dread or to get upset. Even Jesus said, by worrying, you can't add one cubit to your statue. Your stature. Um, and, you know, we have so many promises from the Lord. There's so many things that He said, so many um, times He's proven His work to us. Um, with the children of Israel um, over and over again proving his word to them delivering them over and over again yet every time they would go, every time they're in the desert and there would be an issue you know it didn't matter if God had provided for them a month before or a week before if it was the day before you know he brought them out of the land of Egypt with amazing signs and wonders and immediately they get into the desert and they start complaining and griping that you know, our feet hurt, it's too hot, we don't have any food, not trusting that the Lord's going to provide, and then turning around and immediately trying to blame Moses, and assuming that it's Moses, because it's interesting how usually when there's something going on, instead of going to the Lord to get answers, the first thing we do is try to blame some man for our issues, when the real issue is usually just our lack of belief and trust in the Lord to be able to provide for us, which he's always done to begin with. And so the Lord would provide the manna. And he would say, okay, well now we're going to work on your faith. So get just enough manna for today. And then don't don't carry it. Don't try to store it up for tomorrow because it'll go bad by then. Because if you have an excess, it usually goes bad before the next day comes. 
the Lord gives you an opportunity to bless someone, you should do it with what you have, what you have when you have it, instead of putting it off. And um, and then the next day they'd get up early, and the Lord would provide manna once again, because He was consistently and consistent in His in fulfilling His covenant to them and His promises to be their provider. But yet, not too long later, then they're thirsty and there's no water, and they start griping and complaining and disputing. Okay, well, there's no water. We got food and we got all that. I know you delivered us and you gave us food when we needed it, but we don't like the manna. And then he gave them quail because they were tired of the manna because they were always complaining about something and they always just had some reason to argue with the Lord instead of being thankful in the things which he had already provided. And then Moses had to hit a rock, and the Lord caused water to come out of a rock, which I've personally never seen, um, seen physically seen that happen. But, um, you know, there's a lot of times when the things that you think are obstacles will actually be where your blessing comes out of. You know, sometimes the Lord will bring you into situations where you'll have to go through an obstacle and you'll have to go through a mountain. But it's because... And through that very mountain that the Lord is going to pour out a blessing in your life. And so it's not a matter of seeing the rock as a rock. It's a matter of seeing the rock as an opportunity for the Lord to cause a blessing to come into your life. And the Lord to fulfill his word in your life. And then not long after that, then there was giants and they were scared of the giants. Even though the Lord would always like slay their enemies in, um, in front of them. They were always outnumbered, always underarmed, or whatever else. Never had any experience fighting except for between them and God, which they never won. And so whenever there was giants, they were afraid of the giants, and they were afraid of the armies. And and all this time, the Lord said, I will be with you wherever you go. I'm going to be here. I'm not going to change, no matter what obstacle comes your way. I am still here believed in me yesterday. You had faith in me yesterday. Have faith again in me tomorrow. Have faith again in me the next day. And every single obstacle that comes, look at it as a way that I can prove my word in your life. When you are weak, I am strong. It says, he said that to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient enough for everything that happens in your life. And my strength it's made perfect in your weakness. That means as long as we lie, rely on our own strength, we never can use His. But when we're weak, when we're willing to humble ourselves before the Lord and trust Him and to turn our lives over Him, that's when His strength becomes perfect. When you reach the end of, the, of your rope is when His rope starts. When all the answers and all the things that you can do to fix your situation come to an end that's where he gets to step in you can't climb the mountain so you trust in the Lord to move the mountain or to help you get over it and everything in our lives should be considered in such a way that there's nothing that happens that isn't an opportunity for the Lord to show himself strong in our life and for the Lord to prove his word to us and to bless us Anyway, um, this is Prayer International Radio. Our call-in number is 619-638-8458. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Grace for every trial 
Lift it up. Thank you, God. We celebrate you tonight. Oh, 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 Father. Oh, we love you, God.
Father, let us see this world the way you see it, Lord. Father, with so many things that happen and are happening and are going to happen in the world around us, Father, with so many people turning aside from your word, Father, Lord, we hold our faith and assurance in you, Lord, that we would not easily be swayed or moved by the craftiness and deceitfulness of men, Father. Lord, we choose to have our hearts and our desires be completely on you and not on the lust of the flesh or the eyes, not on the pride of our lives, Lord, for our lives do not belong to us, Father, but to yours, Father, for we were brought with a great price. For anybody out there who needs healing right now who's listening to the sound of my voice, or anybody out there who knows someone who needs healing, we're going to pray real fast. So, whatever you need healing for, put your hand on over that part of your body that needs healing. We're going to pray. The Bible says that if whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive the things you ask. And it says, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And we know the word of God says in Isaiah that by his stripes we are healed. Father, for all these, Lord, who are in need of healing, Lord. Father, we come to you, Father, agreeing and standing upon your word for complete and total healing over their bodies, Lord. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, Lord, we command and thank you for complete and total healing, Father. Remove every sickness, Father. Remove every muscle cramp in the name of Jesus Christ right now, Father. Every nerve dysfunction, remove it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Complete and total healing, Father. Every sciatic nerve in the name of Jesus, Father. Every back pain in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father. Every leg cramp in the name of Jesus, Father. Every bit of arthritis will go right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father. Lord, every broken bone, Father, even the ribs right now in the name of Jesus, Father. Father, every migraine headache go in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, every, every bit of cancer from every child of God, Lord, I command every cancer cell to go and die right now in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We speak and command complete healing over them right now. And command every bit of the cancer to be burned off right now in the name of Jesus. Father, every, every bit of leukemia, leukemia, Father, in the name of Jesus, gone right now, Father. Every tumor gone right now. Be gone. Go right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask complete and total healing over your people, Father, according to your word, Lord. Father, that you would receive all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, Father. Jesus, that your name would be exalted, that your name would be magnified. For your word declares that you have been given the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, the holy and exalted one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, the only one worthy to open up the scrolls, Father, be glorified in your people tonight, Lord. And Father, for anybody out there, Lord, who doesn't know you, for those who may not have had an opportunity, Lord, to know you, Father, I ask, Father, that you would reveal yourself to them, Lord. That you would open up their hearts, Father, open up their eyes, open up their ears, Lord, so they can see you, Father, so they can know you, Lord that you can bring them into a place of a relationship with you, Father, a restored relationship, Lord, so they can know, Father, that they belong, Father, and that you have chosen them, Father, that you have set your hand upon them, Lord, and have declared that you'll be with them every day of life, Father. Father, for every missionary out there, Father, we pray divine encounters, Lord, Lord, we pray divine finances, Father, divine provisions in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, we ask that you to be glorified, Jesus. Until the day you return, Father, you said, Jesus, that you are coming quickly, Lord. 
so, Lord, we ask that you make us ready through your Holy Spirit for your return, Father. And let us found being about your work, Father, the work of our Father. Let us be found in you, Father. Remove every bit of pride, Father, from our lives, Lord, every bit of bitterness from our lives, every bit of unforgiveness from our lives, Lord. And transform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, Father. Let us be changed from glory to glory. Father, you said that we are being built together for a dwelling place of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we give ourselves to you as living sacrifices, Father. Accounting you to be worthy of all the glory and of all the honor, Jesus, and of all the praise. As they sing now, and we will sing for eternity, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Be glorified, <clears throat> Jesus. So, we're going to wrap up this broadcast tonight, and um, we'll be back tomorrow night um, from 10 to midnight, um, two hours. And um, we'll leave it off with a song. If you need prayer for anything, please give us a call. Don't hesitate. Get in touch with us. If you can't find us, find someone to pray for you. For God never sleeps. He's never busy. And he's always there. 